Get to Old Navy right now. Jeans, tees, and dresses for the family are on sale up to 50% off. Jeans start at just $15 for adults and $10 for kids. Hurry in now for amazing styles at amazing prices. Up to 50% off jeans, tees, and dresses. And save even more when you redeem your super cash now through Sunday. Get there fast. These deals won't last long. End Sunday at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid July 20 to July 28th. Select styles only. Real Perspectives seeks real people with real issues for real solutions from real perspectives. The show features inspirational guests, powerful business minds, interviews with top-notch entertainers, and much more. Hey guys, it's your girl Latanya Moore, and I am here with Miss Yolanda M. Tucker. <laughs> Yolanda is an author, and she's actually one of the most sought-after speakers in the country, and she's been dubbed the master of motivation. Yolanda has a heartfelt style and passion that inspires others to achieve their dreams and leaves the audience members in awe. She delivers high-energy messages, which help individuals overcome adversity and inspires them to achieve their dreams. Yolanda is also an award-winning author. She's a motivational speaker. She's a business consultant. She uses her personal tragedies as case studies of how overcoming is attainable. In 2003, Yolanda was awarded the Florida Writers Association Royal Palm Literary Award. In 2007, she was awarded the Key to the City of Lake Charles, Louisiana, and she was honored with... um, August 11th being designated as Yolanda M. Tucker Day. So that's where you need to be August 11th. Uh, Yolanda received the Powerful Words of Wisdom Award from the University of North Florida in 2008, and she uh, keynoted the Region 9 2009 Head Start Annual Parent Training Conference. She was also selected as a presenter at the 2010 National At-Risk Youth Conference. Yolanda is here with us today to talk about her journey and to share with us how she beat the odds to live her life on purpose, and how you can do it too. Yolanda, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Latanya. Awesome. So listen, you are really just a very accomplished person. I mean, I could have gone on and on and on with your, your accolades and your degrees and all the great things, but I just figured we're going to talk about that in the interview because, uh, again, you're very accomplished in, in life and in business, and it really could have been the other way. Tell us the story, like, behind the author, the speaker, you know, the highly educated woman. Well, I am a little poor girl that grew up on Jones Street in Waycross, Georgia. Had no idea that I was poor until, um, I guess, until I got into my teen years after my grandparents passed away. Um, Because life as a small child was really good. You know, I never went without like I say, I had no idea I was poor. Um, my grandmother passed away when I was eight years old. My grandfather um, stayed around until I was about 15. But my birth mother um, moved back to my hometown in the home with me and my grandfather because my grandfather couldn't read and write, and I was only eight. So um, I have kind of like a Cinderella story where my story went from being really, really good to being really, really bad in a, in a really, really short period of time. Um, 
um, you know, when she came back, I started getting cursed at and talked to, you know, in a way that I had never experienced. Um, and so I started to have, you know, experience in depression and feeling unloved and um, just went downhill from there. At some point, my my mother, my birth mother taught my grandfather into moving um, to Valdosta and she was going to move to Jacksonville here with the children. And so I ended up coming to Jacksonville with her, and um, it went from, you know, from me having a normal life in childhood to um, being exposed to crack cocaine, no food, no, you know, no utilities, no clean clothes. You know, it 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 just got drastically worse um, in a short period of time. Wow, that that's really, um, I, I mean, that's really a sad story because, uh, uh, again, you you want to think that, you know, when mom comes around or when mom comes back, it's that place of safety. Tell us a little bit, though, about uh, what what was it that, I mean, that that's really just a, I, I mean, it's, it's really just heartbreaking. It's really sad, sad to hear. And you've always been very vocal, though, about your story. And, and I'm telling you, that is so brave because uh, any other person just wouldn't have the courage to do it. But, like, what has made you say, okay, I'm going to tell, I am going to tell my story and use it as a way to help other people, what were those motivating factors? Well, to be honest, for a long time, you know, I remember having a, a high school guidance counselor, and she told me, she was like, Yolanda, you need to be a motivational speaker, and you need to go around and tell people your story. And I'm looking at her like, lady, you done lost your mind. <laughs> I do not want to be a motivational speaker. I don't want to tell people about this horrible story that I have lived. Um, you know, and so I was like, I want to go to college and be a CEO of a company, da 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 da. I didn't want to hear anything she had to say. But as life happened, you know, and there were a few people that kind of knew my story, or you know, and there was one point that I um I had purchased a car from a car dealership. The car ended up being a stolen car, and the police ended up at my house. So I was really young at the time. I was raising my two brothers, you know, and so I was featured. It was around Thanksgiving, so it was around the holidays, and I was featured on the news, on the on the local news, you know, my story about me raising, taking my brothers and raising them. And, you know, I mean, they brought food, and they, they came with a camera crew and got my little, you know, my little turkey that year. And that kind of stuff. So people started to know, you know, that that I was here, and people started to ask me to speak. Um, of course, initially, I was very uncomfortable with speaking and telling my story. Um, and, and just as I, I, as I walked in my, in my own shoes, I realized that I was helping people. You know, after I would speak, there would be lines of people that would come and tell me all kinds of different things that they, that they had experienced in their lifetime. And I was like, wow, maybe this is what I should do, you know, <laughs> and that tone of voice like, oh, I don't know, but maybe so. <laughs> so as time went on, like I say, people continued to ask me to come and share my story. I started to really enjoy sharing my story. Um, and I ended up writing my first book, Let's Beyond Belief, because I was in love with the gentleman that I thought that I w- would marry. And he um, literally shattered my heart and told me that he was marrying someone else. 
And I remember one day he and I were on the phone. He told me, I don't know, a month or so prior that he was marrying someone else. But we were still conversating. You know, I was still trying to uh, trying to wrap my mind around what was happening and, and have some type of understanding. And um, I remember he and I being on the on the telephone that day, and, and I was just at a loss. And I came into the house. I had just built the house. I, had, I built my home. And I had just built I mean, we, we had just moved in maybe like three weeks prior. So I remember I went back into what, what is my office now, because at that point it wasn't anything but a room full of junk. <laughs> but I remember I went in my office, and I just I got on my knees and I started crying. I mean, you know, you know one of those ugly cries where it's not yes. one like your nose, you know, it's like, yes. oh, you're trying to catch your breath, that kind of cry. And I remember crying, and I remember saying, Father, what you have, purpose for me because I'm still here. What is my purpose? What is it that you want me to do? And a lot of people, when I tell this story, they look at me like I have lost my mind, but he literally whispered whispered in my ear, blessed beyond belief. And I said to myself, me, me, do you know me out of all that I have gone through? Me, Lord, I'm blessed beyond belief. And I would not be obedient and, and write the book. I wouldn't. I kept going to work, and I would go to work, and I would sit there, and I would cry. I was long at my desk, and people were like, what's wrong with you? And I was like, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so one day, I'm on my way to work, and it hits me. You're not going to be happy. You're not going to be satisfied. You're not going to be fulfilled, no matter how much money you make. And I wasn't making that much money, guys, um, until you do what I want you to do. So I remember I went to work that day, and I told them I was on a temporary job, and I told them I was like, you know, this is going to be my last week. And they were like, did you get a job, a full-time permanent job? And I was like, no, I am going to go and write a book. And they were like, you're going to do what? (laughs) (laughs) So um, I did. I I quit. Actually, I had started writing the book prior to that job, to be honest. I had started writing the book when I was working for um, CSX, and I left CSX to finish the book. And then I got sidetracked, and I put it to the side. And like I said, I wasn't being obedient. So I went back, and I I finally decided, okay, regardless of what what may come, hell or high water, I'm going to finish this book. So I finished. uh, I came home, and I started, started to write, finished writing the book. And um, I submitted it for the Florida um, Royal Palmer Association Literary Award. And I kind of, you know, kind of forgot about it. And then the award ceremony came, and I told you I quit. Now that was the second job to write as a book. So I didn't have any money or any way to go to the ceremony. And I remember one of my good friends, she was like, girl, I got you. She was like, I got the room. Another one, she was, she called me. She was like, I can't go, but I have money, gas money for you to go, that type of stuff. So I was able to get to the award ceremony, and lo and behold, when they got to my category, first place they called Blessed Beyond Belief. I was like, me? Really? <laughs> <laughs> so a few weeks later, I got the the judge's notes back from the um, our literary award. Um, review, and the first note that I opened, the judge said, this story must be told. It definitely needs some um, some editing, you know, and, and the story has has to come full circle, but this story must be told. And that helped me, you know, as I decided, because I was still not sure if I was going to actually publish the book. 
Um, so that helped me. But I remember I even, you know, as I was like, okay, I am going to publish the book. I had no idea how to publish the book. I had no idea about any of that stuff at that time. And I remember a friend of mine, she came to me and she said, are you going to put all your business out there for people to read and talk about you? You know, I don't think that would be a good idea. And it was just something about the way she said what she said. It may have been the way. It may have been what she said. I don't know. But deep in my spirit that day, God said to me, secrets are, are of the devil. And freedom is the light, you know, and truth. And so I said, you know, I remember coming home and, and really, you know, analyzing what she had said. And I said to myself, oh, no, I'm publishing this book. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like I said, I didn't know how. I didn't know, you know, I just didn't know. But I knew at that point that I had to publish the book because it wasn't what I had gone through was supposed to help other people. Mm-hmm. And that's what I, I love. I, I really love your story. And I, and I, and I know that, that our listeners are going to be blessed by listening to this because there are so many of us that we know that we know that we know that we know that, that, that God, for, for those of us that believe in God or the higher power, for those of you that believe in that, is, is really pushing you into this, this place of destiny, this place of purpose. But then, you know, we got that little naysayer or two or three or family or whoever, you know, in our ear saying, oh, no, you don't want to do that because the, the, the and, and I'll say this, I don't care if they don't agree, but the, the devil uses shame to shackle us and to uh, keep us in bondage. And that's why for those of us that, that have, have been through these very severe uh, things, God calls us up and he, it's, he's like a woodpecker in our ear until we just say it, you know, until we just, until we yeah. just put it out there and, and, it's, and it's freeing. And, and tell us, though, okay, so, so you decided to publish the book in spite of, so, you know, the, the now just, just used out phrase, make your haters your motivators. That's, that's pretty much what we're talking about. We got to that motivation moment. So, Tell us, though, like, but, but what was it, though? Like, what went through your mind when you really thought about it? Because I know a little bit more of, of your story. So I, I know some of the details that had to be in this book. So what was it that made you that made you okay with it? Because you had to have a little bit of reservation, though. Of course. Of course, I, I definitely had a reservation. I don't think there's a book I've published yet that I haven't had some reservation for one, one reason or another. Um, but again, as I thought about it, and first of all, I knew that I told the truth. So I wasn't concerned because I knew that I told that I had written the truth. And so I said, well, and God, you said that anything, you know, the secrets are of the devil. So if I don't publish this book, I'm being disobedient and I'm allowing the devil to win. And it was still scary because I taught, well, and when I say talked about, I mean, I'm not saying gossip, but I actually told the truth, and I told some stuff on some folks. I didn't tell it all. I didn't. As I've gotten older and mature, there are some things that I couldn't talk about then that I can talk about now. Um, and so I did not tell tell everything that I probably that I should have told in Bless Beyond Belief. But I, you know, the story was 
it was real and it was my story and it was powerful. And I was like, okay, I really, you know, there are some other women out here that need to read this book. You know, they need to understand that they're not the only ones. And for me, I remember reading Ayala Van Zandt in the meantime, and I was like 21. I think I was 21 when I read that book for the first time, and it it literally changed my life. I mean, that's why I write today is because of that book. And so I said to myself, if, if only I touch one person, if only this book can help change one person's life, then I've done my, then I'm walking in my purpose. And so, but yeah, it was still scary. And I, I remember um, my birth mom and my son's father <laughs> told me, they both told me they were going to sue me. And um, I remember <laughs> thinking on that. And then I thought to myself, I said, well, this would be real fun. Um, it'll give the book more publicity. <laughs> um, neither one, right? Neither one of those um, threats came to fruition. But you know, like I say, it was still quite scary. I didn't really know. I didn't know if people were going to be receptive to the book and the things that I talked about in the book because I talked about domestic violence and molestation and um, you know having promiscuous sex at a young age. So I talked about all of those things. Um, and so I, I wasn't so sure if people were going to relate to, you know, what I was saying. And I also talked about, you know, in some places my disdain for God at, at times where I literally would ask him to to allow me to die. I wanted to die, but I was too much of a coward to take my own life. And I would be mad at God because he let me live, you know. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I shared that, and, I, and I'm like, I don't know if people are going to relate or understand what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> it comes out that they did. Most most people did. I didn't get any get too much backlash for that. Um, so just just kind of wanting to walk in purpose and wanting to make sure that my story helped other people is what gave me that motivation to actually step out on faith and and put the book out there. And and that's really a, a good reason because, you know, when you're talking about, uh, again, you're talking about parents, you're talking about uh, a person that you share a child with, you know, so that's a certainly a, a very close, uh, intimate, probably at some point a happy relationship. And but but now you have to tell the full story, and so the full story is not is not going to be all you know roses and 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 you know chocolate covered strawberries. It just you know it ain't all romantic, and and I think just having the just having the courage to say and none of these people are are with me, none of these people are on my side, but I'm going to still do it. That's a testament really to to who you are. Now let me ask you this: When you first published the book, was uh, was your grandfather still alive when you published the book? No, no. Okay. Do you think that would have made a difference in you putting the book out if he was alive? I think that he and I would have had to have a conversation if he was still alive, and and I would have had some explaining to do because. Um, you know, I revealed in the book how I was molested by several uncles, two uncles, and my stepfather. And so to had had my grandfather been alive, I would have had to go and have that conversation with him. And I know the one question he would have asked me was, why didn't you tell me? Tell me, yeah, yeah. Why didn't you tell me? 
And 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 my answer would then and now would have been the same. I was scared to tell you because they told me that if I told you, they would hurt my brothers and they would try to they would hurt you. So. I, but I think that would have been a very hard conversation to have with my grandfather. Mm-hmm. Although he and I were very, you know, we were very close. But for him to know that someone had been hurting me and I didn't tell him, that would have been a very, very hard conversation to have. Oh, absolutely. And it would have been devastating for him, I'm, I'm sure. Because, you know, uh, and that's why, that's why I asked you that question. Because the, what, what I want, one thing, if people don't get anything out of, I was so happy when I knew I was going to have you on this show because, you know, you've been on my television show, but that was a little bit different. What what we're talking about here is a, a real authentic experience and, and story that this is a lot of people's story and they're still being held captive because of things like, you know, granddaddy's still alive. You know, like, like you said, it, it would have been, very difficult, a whole lot more difficult for you to be willing to probably even go through with the project because, again, you're talking about someone that is not going to have a choice but to see it as I wasn't there to protect her because as parents, and, and for all intents and purposes, that was your parent, as parents, that's what we think. That's, that's exactly where our mind goes. And as children, when it, when it relates to our parents in that manner, we want to protect them too. You know, we don't want them to, to hurt. We don't want them to feel that way. And, and having that very close relationship with your grandfather certainly would, I think, would lead to that type of thought. Uh, was, was, are those some of the things that you were thinking? Yes. You know, absolutely. Um, especially at that point in my life because I had been on both sides of it. I had been, you know, the victim and I also been the parent. You know, my child was in a situation he wasn't, um, sexually molested or abused, but it came pretty close to that. Um, happened, it wasn't with an adult, it was with another child, actually that was younger than him, which told me that something else was going on, you know, in that household. Um, but regardless of that, so I had been on both sides of it by the time I got to the point of publishing Blessed Beyond Belief. And um, I remember crying for days when I found out what had happened to my son because I felt like a failure as a parent. Um, you know, I just, and I remember I couldn't even say anything to him because he had told my best friend what happened and he told her not to tell me. So mm-hmm. when she told me, cause you know, she was never going to tell me. He thought you, he thought you was going to jail. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Cause he know his mama, but you know, after she told me then I couldn't say anything to him because I didn't want to betray his trust to her. For the simple fact that I always wanted him to be able to have somebody to tell if something, you know, happened. And it it hurt me, I think, even more that he didn't come and tell me. So it it took about two days. And, again, I didn't say anything, but I knew he knew something was wrong because I am not a very quiet person. So I, you know, really was withdrawn and quiet for a couple of days. And um, he finally came to me and said, Ma, you know, I need to talk to you about something. He told me what was going on, and I asked him, why didn't you tell me? And he said, Ma, I know you got to work. And I, at that time, I worked for the railroad, and I worked shift work, and it was just crazy. And so here my child is who is, you know, in a bad situation, is more concerned about me than he is about his own safety. And that in itself, you know, <laughs> tore me up even more. So 
but like I say, by that time I had experienced both sides of it, and so I would have certainly been very hesitant because I would not have wanted to hurt my grandfather. Mm-hmm. Now, throughout throughout all of this, like like now, I I think that everyone would agree that that you are very accomplished. You are an accomplished author, speaker, all the accolades that we talked about. And there are several things, again, that, that we didn't talk about that are, that are still out there. What would you say is the, and it may not even be any of those things, but what would you say is, your, is, is the achievement that you're most proud of? The achievement that I'm absolutely positively most proud of is having, raising, and loving my son. Mm-hmm. That, that's the one that I'm most proud of. And I would say that because although my grandmother loved me and I know that she loved me, she was not an affectionate woman. She didn't show affection. You know, she wasn't a huggy, touchy Killy, I mean, um, kissy, filly type person. <laughs> so, and I remember, you know, my son. My son is a filly, touchy type kid. He always has been. He still is as an adult. And I remember him being little, and I used to push him, be like, "No, get off me, stop." And I, and then one day it hit me, and I was like, "You know what? You can't do that. You have to learn to, you know, embrace him." And and so, and I can't. I won't tell anybody that it was not a struggle. That it wasn't practice. That I had to be conscious, you know, of of my effort because I did. Um, but to have my son at 16 and raise him and for him to be, you know, a, a valuable member of society, he's a college graduate, but even more important to me, he, um, recently, cause just a couple of months ago was baptized and accepted Christ. So, and to me, that was bigger than, than college or high school graduation. And, you know, like I say, being 16 years old when I had him, those were big events in our lives. Mm-hmm. But to know that I raise a, you know, a, he's not perfect. God knows he's not. <laughs> he's a long way from it. But to know that I raise, you know, a decent young man, you know, and the relationship that he and I have, and, and most times we don't see eye to eye <laughs> on a lot of things, but we have a really good relationship and we can talk, you know, about anything. Mm-hmm. So I think that's my biggest, biggest accomplishment, you know, all the, the degrees and, you know, the materialistic stuff, which, you know, those things, well, education usually doesn't go, but, you know, those things come and go. Um, but that's that's the one thing that I'm like, wow, you had to invest yourself into that, and you had to allow it to mold you, change you, and mature you, you know, into the one, you know, as part of, as part of me being the woman that I am today. So that would be my greatest accomplishment without beyond the shadow of a doubt. I love it because, uh, again, a lot of times, and and you kind of alluded to this, you know, we are so caught up in degrees, and and you know, hey, we we got that. That's that's not that's not the issue. But we we get so caught up in degrees, we get so caught up into uh, what the world thinks of us, and and how you know how many status symbols we have, and to and to hear someone say. Uh, my biggest accomplishment is is being a mom, especially under all the circumstances, you know, from just the experiences and things that, that you've had. I mean, that that is really, really phenomenal. And even the listeners, I mean, I would encourage you guys to, to really think about what's your biggest accomplishment. 
And is it something, quite frankly, that is shallow <laughs> versus, you know, something that's really deep about uh, shaping and molding, you know, the next generation of life? And so I really love that. Um, what are some things that uh, – tell us, though, about some projects that you're, that you're working on right now. So currently I am doing pie parties. I have a new book out, and so I'm doing pie parties to go along with the book. And I did my so first tell one. Tell us the name of your book real quick. Tell us the name of that book. <laughs> okay, so the name of the newest book is Pink Pussy, Pies, and Peanut Butter. Okay. I know, they're provocative. And you have a pie um, party. I'm having pie parties. <laughs> and look, let me explain what a pie party is for somebody's yes. mind. I've had people mind go all over. So, okay, so a pie party is um, where myself and other ladies that some have read the book, some haven't, we actually sit around and we talk about the book. Um, let, let me tell you why I wrote that book, because a lot of people say, okay, we went from Let's Beyond Belief to Pink Twist Pies, and there's a few books in between that. But <laughs> <laughs> I, I wrote, well, I came up with the title because a friend of mine was at my house one day and we were playing the cards and she leaned across the, the table and told me, girl, I don't care if I'm a, I don't care if I got to sell pussy pies or peanut butter, I'm going to buy me a bedroom set this year. And I was like, do what? <laughs> and she repeated oh it. I said, girl, that's a book title. I had no idea how I was going to put it together. But as, you know, we were sitting here talking and was like, you know me, um, you know, well enough to know that I am a very civil, civic-minded person. Yes. Yeah. So um, I am one of those people I've gone out and looked for kids as they were missing, you know, and different stuff like that. And I remember one of the last times I said, you know what, I am tired of getting out of my bed, going to look for somebody's child because they done met some man on the Internet and brought them home. You know, now your child missing, you know. And, and it's unfortunate, but things like that happen, and they happen so often today that we as women have to start thinking about sex, who we're having sex with, and how it affects our children. So I, I went back to that title and I said, okay, how do I take this and tie it together? So although it's a very provocative title, it is a book about woman empowerment because I do want women to think about sex, who they're having it with, and how it affects their children. You know, in the book I talk about domestic violence. I talk about mental health. I talk about um, just some crazy stuff that girls do. <laughs> <laughs> There is some erotica, erotic stories in the book, but the book is not based around sex. It's based around uh, women having higher self-esteem for themselves, you know, women having standards, uh, us having, you know, the ability to, to stand up for what we want and believe in, um, and that's sexual, both sexual and non-sexual. But all in all, I know as little girls, we're told there are two things that we are not supposed to talk about, and that's sex and money. And I, I don't have an understanding for that because both of those things affect our everyday life. So why aren't we talking about it? Why aren't we having those conversations? <clears throat> so to go back to the pie party thing, the pie party is where we actually come together and we have some of those conversations. We're talking about the characters in the book. Uh, we're talking about some of the things that happen in real life. Um, at the last, the first pie party I did, which was July 30th, I had a range of from the age of 70 to the age of 24. And um, we had a really good conversation about, you know, some of the things that women go through and why we allow it to happen and, and what we're expecting. 
um, what we're thinking, both from the young perspective as well as the older perspective. I love the concept of, of pie parties. <laughs> yeah, we had, and, and so each 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 um, character has their own pie in the book, and so I had, you know, pies that represented their five pies, five characters, so I had all five of the pies, and then we had wine because the girls drink wine. Now, rather than crown, since they've gotten older, <laughs> with their pie. Yeah, they and they kind of drink some crown. They may go to sleep at the pie party. Yeah, like I say, now that when they first started having um, the pie parties, they were in college. So at that time, you know, they was drinking crown because you know, in college, that's kind of what they drink. One of the things, anyway. <laughs> so as they got older, and one um, one of the characters, she is a. Um, food and wine um, connoisseur. She travels, you know, that's her job. She travels the world and she does um, reviews on food and wine. And so she, you know, brings back different types of wines from all all over the world, you know, and they, they drink wine now rather than crown and they eat their pie and they talk about um, the pie. And then peanut butter comes in. I have one character who is a, a health nut and she doesn't eat pie, so she only eats organic peanut butter. Mm-hmm. So that's how the peanut butter comes in. But that character in the book actually goes from, um, you know, not loving herself, not having any self-esteem, um, not knowing, you know, what she's going to do as far as being in romantic relationships, you know, how to handle her kids, and um, working for someone else. She ends up losing her job, and she ends up starting her own company. So, again, you know, my thought process was to empower women no matter where they are, on the spectrum of what's going on in life, but to empower them that you can do anything you absolutely put your mind to. I love it. I love it. Love it. Love it. So we got the pie parties. We got the we get we got the book. Now where where can uh, where can we find the book? They're all uh, well. The the last three are on Amazon. The first two are not. And I'm I'm working to try to get those back um back into circulation. But the last three are all three are on Amazon. And your and your most recent book, they can go to Amazon and they can get that book. They can. It's on Amazon, Goodreads, pretty much anything you know, anything that's out there. Kindle, if they want to download it on Kindle, it's it's out there for them. Okay, awesome. So, how often do you how do you figure out who's on the guest list for the pie party? Like, do you just put it out through you know Eventbrite? Are these invitation only? How does that work? Well, the first one um, was kind of invitation only um, because I wanted to, you know, get some feedback on what people were thinking and, and saying about the book. Not that I haven't because I have. Got some really good reviews back on the book. Um, but, you know, I kind of just wanted to do stuff for my friends and family who ha- have supported me over the years. And um, I said that, that was a, a invite-only party. Now, as I go around the country, what I'm what I'm thinking of, and this could definitely change, is that it would be, um, you know, probably about 40 to 50 ladies in a room, and then you know we just kind of talk about the book. And like I say, you don't necessarily have to have to have read the book um, to be at a pie party because the issues that we talk about are issues that women face on a daily basis. So I think after you know there were a couple people that were at this pie party that had not read the book. You know, and I definitely had some copies available for sale, and they purchased copies. And so now I'm getting feedback from those people um, <clears throat> that were at the pie party. 
Awesome, awesome. So what would be one thing that you would want our Real Perspectives listeners to gain or, or take away from, definitely from your life story, but also all the work that you're doing? I think um, the one thing that I would want them to take away is, well, actually, I guess it will be two things. One thing would be no matter where you are, no matter what you've been through, no matter what you're going through, you can be the woman that you want to be or the person that you want to be. You must first figure out who it is that you want to be and then devise a plan to get there. The second thing I would say, I'm sorry, go ahead. Uh Uh-uh, go ahead. The second thing I would say is reach back and help someone behind you. You know, of course, you don't want to just throw your efforts and time away so you want it to be invest in somebody who wants something better out of life. And there are people out there that do. But reach back and offer a helping hand. You I know, love it, love it. Love it. Yeah, and you asked me earlier. So I like that. I do. I try. I was just saying, you asked me earlier. One of the other things that I'm doing um, in the community is I just got picked up to do some grant work for an organization called um, Family. What's the name of it? FSS. Oh Lord, they're gonna be mad at me if I mess up their name. <laughs> I'm sorry. They all but mad. um okay, because I, I have drawn a blank. But they um so I'm actually going to go into the school system and do a program called Love Me, and it's it's going to be a program about teens around centered around preventing teen pregnancy and preventing domestic violence for young ladies in the high school. Awesome. That's that's really great. So once you get that established, we definitely want to have you back on to talk more about that and 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 how that's going. So again, guys, listen. This is Miss Yolanda M. Tucker. Authoress extraordinaire, community leader extraordinaire. We love her uh, here at at Real Perspectives, and I'm your host, Latanya Moore, where we seek real people with real issues and real solutions from real perspectives. Paint pros know what you don't paint is just as important as what you do paint. So the Home Depot has bulk pricing on a full assortment of 3M painters, tapes, and paint essentials. Everything you need, every day like 3M hand masker film and scotch painter's tape. For the cleanest results on every paint job, 3M and the Home Depot have got you covered. With bulk price savings on 3M paint essentials, every day, only at the Home Depot. More saving, more doing. U.S. only. You're with your baby girl. You've been practicing your mamas and dadas for weeks. And now she looks up and begins to mouth her very first words. This is the moment you've been waiting for. It's time to visit your authorized Mercedes-Benz dealer and test drive the all-new GLE. With the first era of the Mercedes-Benz user experience and optional third-row seating for your whole family. Smart mama. Smart dada. Visit MBUSA.com slash GLE to learn more. Mercedes-Benz. The best or nothing. Some equipment described as optional. 